This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Rick Butler and Jack Foster. All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined right across from me, that is Jack Foster. It's a late night episode for us, ladies and gentlemen. We are back here at the hotel in Orlando. We've had a massive day under our belt over at Camping World Stadium for the 2024 Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Jack, it's been a long day. It's been a long couple of days here in Orlando. First off, how are you doing? How is your day-to-day, your game experience? What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing well, you know, January 1st, 2024, grateful to, uh, you know, be on this wonderful planet another year, uh, going into 2024. Um, yeah, it was a great day in Orlando. I mean, the game, you know, it was a 35-0 to ball game, so it's it's not one football fans really look at and say, hey, I enjoyed watching that thing, but I think there are a lot of intriguing storylines to be had. It's just unfortunate Tennessee got matched up with Iowa, who probably has the worst offense I've ever seen. And also, their quarterback today, Deacon Hill, it's one of the worst quarterback performances I've seen in person. And I've watched high school football. <laughs> like, I legitimately think that the high, most high school quarterbacks I've watched, now I'm from Henry County, you know, which isn't, it's 5A football, so it's not some big-time 6A school or anything, but it's good football. And Deacon Hill is not... Like, there, I've seen high school quarterbacks better is what I'm trying to say. He was atrocious today. Yeah. So, you talking, you asked me how the game was. It obviously wasn't that good of a game. But, like I said, a lot of intriguing storylines, and it's a great day here in Orlando. Grateful to be here. Yeah, you know, I think going back to something you just said a second ago, I think one of the interesting things about this game is, and, and no disrespect at all, I, I think he's been a phenomenal teammate, and, and he, he did great things for Tennessee over his couple of years here. But I think a 35-0 to win under Joe Milton would be one thing. 35-0 to win under Nico Iamaliava, though, right, this has certainly got people talking. I, I know the Tennessee fan base was going crazy on social media today. Uh, we were certainly recipients of it with some of our content that we put out there, but that definitely added a whole new layer of intrigue that we really didn't have a week ago going into this game. Yeah, absolutely. If Joe would have played, there would have been less to talk about. It, it would have been, okay, Far less. Tennessee won big. You know, it would have been... Positive spin, of course. It was a convincing win in Joe Milton's last game as a ball. That would have been the storyline. But now we have a game to chew on and to focus on for the next eight months. We have a performance from number eight, a full game performance to talk about for the next eight months. It makes our job a whole lot easier, and, it, yeah. and it's, it's a lot more fun for the fans. As we saw Nico in action today, and good or bad, this performance was going to be talked at about at length so you know luckily for nico and for everybody that keeps up and loves tennessee that it went well today yeah you know i I did a uh i did an interview in chattanooga just about a week ago kind of previewing this game maybe about two weeks ago and i I said you know barring a complete and absolute meltdown which i didn't think was going to be in the cards ultimately this was kind of going to be a win-win for nico right either he plays really well and you get to build a lot of momentum throughout the offseason heading into next year or you know, he shows some freshman struggles, 
And yes, that's that's not something that you want to see, but at least there's a whole season where you can now have very specific things to build on. So to me, it was kind of going to be a win-win for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, Tennessee fans certainly thrilled and the Tennessee program certainly thrilled that it was a lot more of one than the other. Nico had a great game and we'll certainly get into that. But just overall, you talk about, uh, you know, some of your broad thoughts with the Iowa quarterback. Uh, just, just give me a very quick synopsis of what you thought about this game from a broad overall perspective. Um, yeah, well, br- broad overall perspective. Here's the thing. Tennessee scored more points against Iowa today than any team has this season. And Iowa played against a Michigan team who just beat Alabama to make the national championship. So it's not right. like, I mean, yeah, the Big Ten West is awful. It's the worst division in college football. But Iowa did have a couple of tough opponents that struggled. I mean, if you watch the Big Ten Championship, Michigan struggled the majority of that game. They had short fields that they were able to capitalize on, made it easier for their offense, but their offense was not able to move the ball. Same kind of deal with Penn State. But the trend with those two teams was when Iowa played a team that had eight or more wins this season, they didn't score a point. They got outscored 57-0 to Penn State, Michigan. And, hey, Tennessee had eight wins. Look what happened. They didn't score a point. So when Iowa played a team with any sort of pulse offensively, it didn't go well, didn't go well today. I mean, Tennessee's just much better, and it was very encouraging that their offense was able to really move the ball, I don't want to say it will, but successfully against an Iowa defense that was third in the nation this year. Yeah, absolutely, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but that was also a Tennessee offense with a very banged up, patched up offensive line, and you saw Nico scramble for his life a couple times during the game, and Tennessee's offensive line let up about four or five sacks throughout the game, and uh, again, it was a banged up, patched up offensive line. There were plenty of rotations going in through the game, um, but we will get all into that soon. I know people want to hear about the offense. If you want to go straight to the offense, maybe you can skip forward a couple minutes, but I kind of want to start by talking about the defense. Tennessee pitches a shutout in this game, and I know it, like Jack, you're kind of alluding to, this is not a an SEC team that Tennessee had played earlier this year. This was one of, if not the worst statistical offenses in the entire league, so what Matt Reed, a, a great writer for Rocky Top Insider, kind of talked about in his preview was, hey, if you're Tennessee's defense, just don't be the first team to let Iowa look competent throughout the exactly. season. And, and I got a good laugh out of the line, but it made a lot of sense. And Tennessee's defense absolutely shut the door on them from really the second drive on in the game. Whenever that one drive was that they pushed all the way to the goal line in the first quarter, um, I was really impressed by what Tennessee's defense was able to do. And again, it's not like they they shut down some superstar offense, but they did exactly what they needed to do, and then some, I felt like. I, I, I really think uh, that you start with that first quarter. Ten- Iowa's offense, they're moving the ball a little bit through the run game, some quick passes here and there. They had that one drive early. Absolutely. Yeah. They get down to the goal line, and Tennessee's defense, with their backs against the wall, they hold firm. Andre Turntine picks up a touchdown, or excuse me, an interception in the end zone, which, by the way, was just a, a horrendous decision by the Iowa quarterback right there. Not only was Gabe Judy Lolly trailing on his hip, but Andre Turntine had basically started to run in his zone. He threw it in a double coverage. Somebody yeah. was going to catch that ball. Andre Turntine did. That held Iowa out of the end zone. They didn't get a single point for the rest of the game. But I really felt like from that point on, I thought to myself, okay, that might have been their one chance to build any momentum. That might be it. it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, when Deacon Hill threw that pick, I thought to myself, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought to myself, that's probably the worst throw I've seen someone make this college football season. And then it was broken when he threw the interception to James Pierce. <laughs> so, Man, yeah, yeah, but 
but going back to what you're saying, zero points is zero points when it comes down to it. It's yeah. very difficult to shut a team out in football, um, especially a team that won 10 games and like still made the Big Ten Championship game. That's got to count for something, right? So a very impressive performance from Tennessee's defense, specifically that defensive line and pass rush, because when you talk about Iowa's offense, yeah, no playmakers, bad quarterback, but it's still Iowa. They got big dudes up front. Big That's dudes. kind of what their MO is, right? Win the line of scrimmage. Be tougher than your opponent. Grit and grind your way to victory. That is that is one in the trenches. But Tennessee won that battle big time today. Defensive line versus Iowa's O-line. And James Pierce had an amazing day. He has such a bright future, um, not only at Tennessee in the next year, but also in the NFL. Tyree West coming out party, you name it. So that was very impressive from Tennessee. Yeah, those were the two guys that I kind of wanted to mention right at the top. James Pierce Jr., who uh, we as the media, we got to make our MVP picks in the fourth quarter of the game. Uh, I know a lot of people in the Tennessee media and the Iowa as well, they were picking James Pierce Jr. in this game for the MVP just simply because of how disruptive he was up front. He had a massive game heading into this offseason. He was one of the two players that got to stand next to Josh Heupel for that postgame press conference on the main stage. James Pierce Jr. has three total tackles on the day. One of them was a sack. One of them was a tackle for loss. And then, as you mentioned, Jack, the the pick six. And, you know, it wasn't just like a pass deflection that he somehow came up with. That was a play where he dropped back into coverage a little bit. Mm-hmm. He spied the quarterback. He knew where he was going to go. Uh, and he had great anticipation. He jumped the route. It was a bad pass, but he still jumped the route, caught it cleanly, and then just absolutely took off down the sideline, gave Tennessee a huge momentum boost for, I believe, their fourth touchdown of the day at that point. That was a massive game. And then you also mentioned Tyree West, uh, who maybe a little bit of a coming out party for him. Three, uh, And that's not to say that he hasn't been okay all, all season or, or good all season, but certainly made his presence felt in this game. Four total tackles, 1.5 sack, 1.5 tackles for loss. He had a great game as well. And he was one of the guys who talked about after the game, hey, we knew the assignment coming into this game. Not only did we know it, we understood the assignment. We understood that Deacon Hill was not going to be a quarterback who was going to be mobile. He was going to sit back there. He was going to plant his feet in the ground like like a you know roots in a tree when he when he was stepping back to, to pass the ball. And they knew that they could pin their ears back and go attack the quarterback. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and that's something Tennessee struggles with you know, in the past couple of years is defending mobile quarterbacks, and they didn't have to do that today, so it made it a little easier on them. But it really showed that when it's man versus man and there's no external factor like a quarterback's legs affecting a play, Tennessee dominated. And th- I think that would be the case more times than not. If if you told me, hey, the quarterback's not going to run at all, I'm taking Tennessee's defensive line over most offensive lines in the country. They, they've been so good this season. Um, and, you know, James Pierce is just a man amongst boys out there. He was. Other good games from the defensive line included Amari Thomas. Uh, I, I just felt like a lot of times when there was a scrum, when they were able to kind of hold their running back to only a yard or two, Amari Thomas was typically yeah. in the middle of that scrum. Biggie got some penetration too. Absolutely. And then Elijah Herring, you know, kind of maybe one of the more critical players that people one of the players that people were a little bit more critical of in the late part of the season, I thought that he had a nice game, was really able to bounce back to, again, provide a little momentum going into next season. Elijah Herring finishes with four total tackles, one sack, and two tackles for loss, uh, and a pass deflected as well. And he came, I remember that pass deflection well. He just came screaming down the side. They tried to throw a, a quick pass to the sideline, and he just stepped up and batted that thing down like a rock. So certainly a really good performance from Tennessee's defensive line. Uh, And you're right, just a a big, strong offensive line group from Iowa, and Tennessee's defense is pretty much able to have their way with them. 
Yeah, and the defensive line made it a lot easier on the secondary today. And the secondary, you know, I was so bad, they don't really test the they Didn't get tested. They didn't test them that much. But I do think it's something to be said that Tennessee's secondary didn't allow, you know, big play breakdowns to happen or just to, you know, Iowa could have easily hit a long play pass if Tennessee's secondary was just going to be that bad, like some may have thought they were going to be today. That was kind of the a talking point coming in. Will this you know, heavily inexperienced secondary be able to not let a bad Iowa offense beat them? And, and they won today. So I don't think I can confidently say Ricky Gibson or Jordan Thomas played really well today, but they didn't get beat, and that's important. So And, and Turrentine had the pick, so you, you know he had a good day. Yeah, and I also think just one of kind of the, the nails in the coffin for Iowa's defense was, or excuse me, for their offense was, you know, they're down 14 points at halftime. They're down 21 points after the third quarter. And Iowa still had 11 more rushing attempts than they did passing. Iowa combined for only 9 of 25 passing for 60 yards it, through the air. It's like they're not even nothing. trying to be good. It, I don't even it, know. It was a nothing burger. It, it's really hard to wrap your brain around. It, it is. Deacon Hill averages 3.1 yards per pass. Uh, Marco Linez. Oh, uh, that guy was electric, though. He had a couple of really... He, I don't he know ends if he's up, a good passer of the football, but he can run. I'm not joking with you. He ended up as their leading rusher in the game yeah. with six carries for 51 yards. Uh, and and I mean, you kind of you kind of mentioned it. I don't know if it was in the stand-up or in the car on the way home, but it's like I don't know if Tennessee was really you know preparing for a mobile quarterback. They knew what they had with Deacon Hill, yeah. so he was able to surprise them a little bit, but... Again, it turned into nothing because Iowa just couldn't capitalize on anything. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't start that guy in the second half. Don't know. Just, hey. It's kind of a Vikings-Green Bay situation from Sunday night. Yeah, exactly. Just put him in at halftime. Yeah, I mean, nothing was working. And, yeah, that guy at least gave them some sort of pulse, you know. Yeah. So. All right, let's, what do you say we get into the, the main sort of talking point that everybody's been talking about online and, and in the written world today? Nico Iomaliava makes his first start for Tennessee as a true freshman. Played a little bit of cleanup time throughout games this season, but ultimately it was never really anything meaningful. Four quarters against the number 17 ranked team in the country, that is meaningful. And for all the trash we've basically talked about Iowa's offense so far, their defense has been good. Their so defense good. has been a very good defense this year. And, of course, like any team, they've dealt with some opt-outs or some transfer portal players, whatever it might be. But this is still a stout Iowa defense that has been successful for the year. Jack, you mentioned the great stat at the top of the uh, at the top of the show today. Tennessee scores more points than anybody else had on their schedule. I do think that means something. Nico Iamaleava goes 12 of 19 for 151 yards through the air. He had one touchdown to McCallan Castles in the fourth quarter, finishes with an 80.4 QBR, and also has 27 recorded yards on the day with three touchdowns. I think those running numbers obviously should have been more, but the sacks taken into consideration there. Yeah, he did um, sack a couple times. He, he certainly did. To me... A really promising showing from Nico. Now, was it perfect? No, absolutely not. I think there were, of course, some 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 miscues here and there, or maybe some missed opportunities here and there. It was his first start, first time playing four quarters since he was back in high school quite a long time ago. So ultimately, from a starting point, I think there you absolutely have something really strong to build on with Nico Iamaliava. He, he just has a great presence right there in the pocket. Yeah, Nico was so smooth today, and that. The hypo offense just looks so... It, it looked like it's supposed to look. It, it just looked very natural today with Nico. And you mentioned he was far... He wasn't flawless. I, he was mostly very good. There were only a couple of times where I thought Nico should have made a different decision, but it wasn't anything detrimental. or It's not like he took a bad sack. But 
I, I thought Nico didn't make a very bad decision today. He just probably could have made a couple of better ones. What? Go ahead. Yeah, no, and that's something we talked about in the stand-up a little bit, right? They, you know, ultimately there's some missed opportunities. I remember one at the very beginning of the game, maybe the first or second drive of the game, where Squirrel White was absolutely yeah, screaming, that's the big one, yeah. screaming down the middle of the field. He was wide open, and, and you know, Nico didn't see him, but he still completed a pass to the sideline. It, it went for about six to eight yards, whatever it was, and. That's the kind of play where you say, okay, maybe a missed opportunity there, but you're not going to kill the guy because this is his first start with the team, right? Yeah. This is a guy who's only going to get better as time goes on, better as he realizes his offense, better as he really familiarizes himself with these routes and how defenses are going to attempt to cover them. And those kind of missed opportunities at some point are going to get straightened out. So I completely agree with you. There weren't a ton of glaring mistakes in the game. There might have been a few missed opportunities, but you don't necessarily say that in a negative way. You just say it right. as a, hey, there's room to grow, and this is a pretty darn good starting point. Yeah, and it's his first career start against the nation's third-best defense, and I'll add, he doesn't have a lot of playmakers at his disposal. I mean, Thornton's out, Brew's obviously out. Ramel Keaton had a drop or Ramel two. Ramel Keaton is doing him a disservice at every turn, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to trash him, but it's like, yeah, he didn't have a good game. And then you look at the offensive line, you got Jackson Lampley starting. It, it's not what it is going to be next year. So, And also at running back, you know, the two that were there this season are gone, so I guess it's a mute point. But it's not like you have Jalen Wright back there or anything like that, or Jabari Small who can pass block really well. Point is, Nico played really well, and it was an extremely encouraging effort from him today heading into the offseason. Yeah, I think when you look at kind of Nico's game from just a from the thirty thousand foot view, you see a poised quarterback in the pocket. One of the things that I felt like was most encouraging about Tennessee's offense, and really Dylan Sampson, who we'll talk about in a minute, really added in and helped to this. But the tempo was back, and that's something that you really saw Tennessee be successful with under Hinton Hooker. The game kind of slowed down this past season with Joe Milton at quarterback. The tempo really came back in this game, and that was something that one of the Iowa defensive players talked about after the game, as he said. Look, that's a challenging team, and it's really hard to cover a team that's that's snapping the ball every 10 to 15 seconds. Iowa's defense fell back on their heels. Tennessee was able to take advantage, and one of those reasons was because of Dylan Sampson. 20 carries on the day, 133 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. Jalen Wright opting out for the NFL. Jabari Small opting out for the NFL, especially Jalen Wright. Man, that was such a guy who, who could fix mistakes. He, he could make plays with his legs. Dylan Sampson stepped into that role in a really effective way today. Yeah, Dylan Sampson was great. And Iowa's best part of their defense, Cooper DeGene, obviously, hasn't played the last couple of games. So their talent is at the line, is at the second level. It's at the linebacker level. And I thought Dylan Sampson did a great job of weaving through both the first and second level defensively today. And he just, he just finds a hole and he hits it, man. And I know he's not perfect. He's got a lot to learn in the pass blocking Uh you know, side of things, but he had a great block on Nico's first touchdown run. It's not like he's a complete liability in that sense, so I think he's a really solid option for your top running back on this offense heading into next season. And, you know, today just affirmed that. And it, it was a quiet 131 yards. It was. And it, that's exactly what Jalen Wright did all year. He racked up yards but didn't have a big breakaway play. He had them sometimes, but that was when he had huge games. Dylan Sampson had 131 yards today, and uh, his long 31. was 31. Yeah, so yeah, that's a long run, but most Still of his 100 runs yards were for the next seven to nine carries. yards. It felt like so it was a really solid day from D. Sam. And since we're on the topic of running ball, something I forgot to mention for Nico, he was fast today, 
and that's an element of the game that may, his game that maybe was a little overlooked heading into this game since he's so small, right? You don't expect a guy like that to run a lot, but he was running today and he looked good doing it. He did, and that was one of the things that I really felt like in the 2022 season when Tennessee's offense was rolling at well as it was. Hendon Hooker was so good, and I will stand by this point until the day I die. He was so good at making the decision to run and then executing that decision, right? It wasn't a lot of hesitation. It wasn't a lot of second-guessing himself. When he decided to take off, he was taken off. I felt like Nico Iamaliava showed shades of that similar aspect where, you know, hey, once he, he, he went through his reads, he went through a couple of them, he realized maybe nothing was going open or the pocket was collapsing. That was a guy that could find the hole and start moving the ball downfield. Now, again, Tennessee's offensive line didn't do him you know, a ton of favors in the game sometimes when the when the pocket broke down. But I did think that he was able to use his legs effectively. You talk about a hat trick of rushing touchdowns on the game. Yeah. One, two in the second quarter, uh, one in the third quarter, I believe. I felt like after he got that first rushing touchdown, and, and he didn't talk about this or anything after the game, so this is speculatory on my part, but I do feel like that was a big confidence boost for him. He felt like he could continue to use his legs at a successful rate, yeah. and you saw that continue to happen. I mean, one of the decisions I didn't like from him was the, on the third rushing touchdown. You know, I don't have his viewpoint, so maybe it wasn't as concrete as I think, but Jacob Warren seemed pretty wide open in the back of the end zone for yes. a touchdown to me. And he took off, and he scored on the play. But it was a tough run, and it barely scored. He barely broke the plane, but, you know, have to – give it to him he scored and it, it was a tough run so that that's a play I look back to and I'm like that was a really just tough play from Nico maybe not the best decision but it shows he can make those kinds of plays it did it did I I, I did feel like that was a positive aspect of of uh game today and again that was with a bad offensive line performance it, Tennessee missing players Tennessee banged up patched up whatever you want to call it. Not a good offensive line performance, but Tennessee was able to make the most out of it again with 232 rushing yards. Sounds kind of crazy when you say it out loud like that, but 232 rushing yards, three touchdowns, um, so on and so forth. Hey, by the way, real quick, I just uh, totally off topic. Oh, gosh. It sounds like Dwayne The Rock Johnson Uh might have just made an appearance on Monday Night Raw. Just saying. Oh, just snap. saying. A big name. You can't keep it together. You're it? not. You're not. We wrong. got. We got Washington muffing a punt, and then Texas getting an easy seven. But well, you're not all, Ryan. It's all so about I the rock at, on raw, right? Look, look. You're not Ryan, so I can at least try to say it real quick. Yeah. If my info's wrong, my info's wrong. I'm not gonna go look it up right now. But I just it popped across my screen. I'm you sorry. Know, I had to say it. You know, I'm always gonna let wrestling talk slide. That that was my first love when it comes to sports, but. It is college football playoff semifinals night, so I'm dialed in on the, I know. On the Sugar Bowl here. But Did you, know. you see a lot of the memes going around of, of uh, Nico Yamaliava's head on Roman Reigns' body at times? Uh, there were a couple of good ones. Maybe it was some of the people that I follow mainly, but <laughs> probably more other, other East Tennessee wrestling fans. But people are going crazy over it. So some of the people listening to this right now will go, yep, yep, I saw it. That was me. <laughs> but anyways, let's keep moving on. Um, uh, again, what did you think of uh, Cam Seldon? Just uh, he had 13 carries on the day, 55 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. He was able to spell Dylan Sampson, and that's going to be Tennessee's two-headed monster next year. Yeah, I thought he was solid. Um, I'll, I'll just if there's one thing about the running backs I wanted to see more of today is just them used in the passing game, and we'll see if that that was definitely an element of Joe Milton's game this year. It not it wasn't as big of an element in Hinton Hooker's game. We'll see kind of how that rolls with Nico next year, but I do think Sampson and Seldon. If you just have to get the ball in their hands, and Samson's shown the ability to be a good pass catcher, I think Selden can be that too. So 
Well, and, and he was a he played receiver a little bit in high school too, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So I yeah, a, a definitely an all-purpose kind of offensive right. guy. Right. So you know when you're what six two two twenty something like that, you know yeah. in high school you just get the ball and you go. I am curious to see if that's you know going to be a thing Tennessee incorporates next season. But yeah, Cam Seldon looked good today in a in a complimentary role. I agree. So that is. Uh, that was certainly a good part of Tennessee's offense. Again, 54 carries on the day, 232 yards, three touchdowns, all coming from Nico Iamaliava. Let's look at the receivers real quick. Ramel Keaton is Tennessee's leading receiver with three receptions for 51 yards. Squirrel White, three receptions for 39 yards. McAllen Castles had his one reception for a touchdown. Jacob Warren had one for nine. And then Chaz, uh, Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb both had two receptions, one of them going for 18 and the other 16. So similar days for these sophomores right there uh, as we uh, as we continue to kind of break down this Tennessee offense. Yeah, and it's going to look a lot differently, as I mentioned. A lot Thornton, and, and we'll see if Bruce back. But if he is, you have him, Dante Thornton, and Chris Brazell leading that wide receiver core. It's going to be pretty good next year. And Squirrel Wright, of course. Uh and these running backs, it's going to be exciting no matter what. It, maybe we'll see if they can, you know, ultimately rebound in a big way and be a lot better than they were this year, but there's no doubt they're going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, man. I am definitely with you. You know, I think it's late at night right now. We, we got about a good 25-minute pod under our belts right here. I think we're pretty much going to wrap it up as you know, maybe any other kind of final takeaways we'll close with in a second here, but we have so much coverage over on RockyTopInstant.com. I believe we were just looking at it. Maybe 15 or 16 new articles for you to go read right now. A lot of that being Citrus Bowl coverage uh, from our from the game today. Of course, our great partner, Ryan Shumpert, also doing a lot of work. He will be in Knoxville tomorrow night, which is going to be Tuesday night for the Tennessee basketball game against Norfolk State. And then, of course, Tennessee basketball starts SEC play next Saturday, so we will be back together for that one as well. Uh, but again, Jack, just kind of maybe final wrap-up thoughts from the uh, from Tennessee's 35-0 win over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl today. I mean, we've talked about Nico at length, so I'll save that. But who would have thought what a beauty. Dude, Michael Penix is so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sorry. I, We've got this Texas-Washington team. I love game this Washington team. I am rooting so hard for the Huskies tonight, so let's go. But who would have thought before the season that at year's end, James Pierce would be the undisputed best player on this team defensively? Yeah. Just the flat-out nobody's even close yeah. going into next year. Yeah. He's so good. And, I and was, it, we were not talking about that a year ago today. I was talking big on from Josh Josephs. I was, you know, obviously, Barron's there, you know, Beasley, when you're talking about this defense. And I thought Josh Josephs would take that step. It's James Pierce, man. And he is the player that all opposing coaches' offenses are going to circle for next season. And that's just – it's kind of surprising, but it's really good for Tennessee that they have a top ten overall pick potential at defensive end. Yeah, uh, that's certainly going to carry weight in the season in 2024. There's a lot of things to look forward to in 2024, and man, we got a heck of a long time to break it all down, to start previewing it. Now starts the offseason, although in college football, as we all know, there's really no offseason. It's just a slow down period. So we will we will be continuing to track everything, whether it be offseason storylines, recruiting storylines, whatever it is. Rocky Top Insider will be there for coverage on all of it. But ultimately, Josh Heupel gets his second bowl win here at Tennessee in the last three years. Excuse me, in his first three years, I should say. And of course, second straight bowl win after their Orange Bowl victory against Clemson last year. Um, 20 wins for Tennessee in the last two seasons combined. It's the first time Tennessee's had 20 wins in 
you know, cons- in two seasons combined since 0304. So, not years, bad. Pretty much. Not bad. It, things are things are are are, uh, are pointing in the right direction for Tennessee, especially with number 8 behind center Hendon Hooker. I saw Cordero Patterson. I saw Trey Smith all giving Nico shout-outs on sw- on Twitter today. So a lot of former Vols watching this game with high anticipation, and certainly they liked what they see, uh, and we did as well. We liked what we saw from Tennessee's freshman quarterback as he continues to really take over as the man for the Vols offense next year. There's a lot to look forward to, but again, talking about Citrus Bowl coverage, head over to RockyTopInster.com for all sorts of analysis on the game, on the players, on Nico, all you can get over there. You can also head over to Rocky Top Instant on social media where we have just an absolute slew of post-game videos, post-game pictures, pre-game videos, pre-game pictures. We've got a lot of great media content over on our social medias that is at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, on Instagram. You can also check us out on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram uh, and TikTok. Speaking of YouTube, we have a lot of post-game press conferences there. So if you want to hear from Josh Heupel, Nico Iamaliava, James Pierce Jr., Dylan Sampson, Tyree West, Jalen McCull, and his final game in a Tennessee uniform. You can go and find all of that on Rocky Top Insider's YouTube account. It is extremely easy for you to find. And then, hey, Jack, I'll give us a little props. If you want to go and watch our stand-up from the Camping World Stadium stands, I should say, uh, as we kind of broke down our instant reaction along this game, a lot of it was sort of the similar stuff that we've been talking about, but we made some good different points over there as well. So I highly encourage you to go and check that out, that post-game stand-up as well. Again, that is over on the Rocket Top Insider YouTube account. But otherwise, man, it is late. I wonder if the people on the other side of this wall can hear us. So we're going to start slowing down as we get this thing wrapped up. But that is going to wrap it up for us today. Got to say this, though. For everybody who's been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast throughout the year, we say thank you. For everybody, for everybody that was tuned into Rocky Top Insider throughout the 2023 year, we say thank you. We truly couldn't do it without you. You guys make our world go round. You guys keep us making. You guys help us continue to do what we're doing each and every day. And I think I can absolutely speak for Jack and Ryan and both say that, hey, we love what we do. We love getting to cover what we do. We love the fans that we interact with every day. So again, just a big thank you. We're feeling awfully grateful over here for just a a wildly successful 2023 year for the Rocky Top Insider team. And let me also say this. We got some tricks up our sleeve for 2024 coming up soon. We are going bigger. We are going better. We are going more nonstop coverage wall to wall for Tennessee athletics, and you won't want to be a—you uh, won't want to miss it. I almost said you won't want to be a part of it. That's not right. You do want to be a part of it, and we're happy that you are. So that's enough emotion coming out of me. I guess it might be the New Year's, but hey, I'm tired too. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you for a great football season from the Rocky Top Insider team. We will see you for basketball coverage. We'll see you for baseball coverage. Man, that's just coming up in a couple days, so we'll see you very soon. For Jack Foster, I'm Rick Butler. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast.